Hello and welcome to the X episode of the Sotoxapod. Hey, you got it right. Titled part two of our <laughs> Formula One season review. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what number we're on. I think 16 or 17, uh, something around uh, those. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yep, yep. Toby, how are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Episode. Yes. And 2022, um, so cheers to that. Yeah, cheers to that. Yeah, yeah. 2022 started really well. I had a wonderful time over New Year's. Um, had some friends over, you know, COVID uh, conformity, uh, but still had a little celebration. And that was really fun. And uh, yeah, then going back on the Monday, uh, this week just beat my ass. Just poo. I was talking to someone um, as we were waiting on um, on actually separate projects, but um, we were we both had a bit of waiting time for a uh, for me, it was a standing step for her. I think it was a PCR step. Anyways, we were talking like, yeah, we've been back for like three days at that point or on the fourth day, it was on Thursday. And it felt like, you know, 2020 was already a few months old. <laughs> I spent so much time I at, well, like at uni we had, in the lab this we week. Probably the busiest week at work as well this week because yeah. it's still closing last week and uh, uh, last week, last year. Well, last week as well, I guess. Um inclusive including it um but yeah after a few days i was already ready for the weekend so i'm yeah. happy uh, that we're doing this on a saturday too and not on a sunday evening because yeah. it's uh very nice very nice but yeah we were gonna we, we were gonna record about 20 minutes ago but we got into about a seven minute conversation just about zoom filters so hey everybody if you have a paid <laughs> zoom account check That's out the fun. video filters you can do on your background i'm wearing john lennon glasses right now yeah uh, yeah I think the the story would be funny just to just to do it in two minutes. I was talking to um, one of our deep learning, um, yeah, AI image analysis, like um, a kind of deep convoluted network. I'm just throwing in keywords now, uh, like image and like people who use AI to gain more information from medical images, right? And we were talking about all the trouble that that brings with it. And then I put on one of these stupid Zoom filters, you know. And he goes, "Well, you know what? One of the major examples of." like AI and deep learning, these sort of things working in video feeds in, in image and video format is filters, is these filters. And I just thought that was so funny, you know, considering we have a world doing research on extracting medically important information out of images. And then the people who get it right are fucking Snapchat, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing. so man. funny. It's really cool because Snapchat was so ahead of its time. And uh, in, in terms of what all the other social medias were doing at that point, Snapchat had its own thing. And over time, the stories, the filters, everything was copied over to Facebook, Instagram, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, you said this earlier. Imagine if this would have come five years later. I think the demand for it and the explosiveness of it would have been even crazier. Yeah. Because uh, back in the day, social media was very present, but not to the degree that it is now. Yeah. With metaverses and shit starting now. But anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, topic for a different podcast. Yeah, um, let's kick off this year the way we ended last year with Formula uh, One and drinking. Yeah, and drinking. I'm. I Doing actually. I. I had a bit of time on my hands, and I went out and bought myself a nice bottle of Duvel uh, as preparation. So uh, I'll be enjoying that. that. Good. Also, for me, I was I was missing Prague, so I got a, a Stahlbrand. Oh, nice. A whole case, yeah, which is really nice because if you remember when you came over the first time to visit me there, we. Uh, got a case and drank it the first night but we figured out that Stahlbrom has pretty high pressure on the bottles so if you open it with the lighter the mm -hmm. things shoot around like a firecracker it's pretty neat yeah god that was a fun night 
I'm having such small talk fever now. That was such a fun night. We bought the, <laughs> I arrived way late in the night in fucking Prague, had to take a bus, no clue what was going on. Uh, I was super bleary as well. And then you picked me up and you went, oh, let's go by the supermarket, which miraculously was still open. We buy a crate of Staropram. We get dinner, which was just like meat two kebabs sausages. and some, we two, oh, right, it was two sausages in a pub down the road from your student dorm and then proceed to drink the entire crate with like whoever walked by that entire night. That was so fun. While mentioning that we had, I think, because the beer in that pub was so cheap because it was outside of the city. So it was Dude. like a euro for a pint. And Not even. It was, it no, was 17 krona, I think. No, I thought it was 25 or so. Doesn't matter. Right around. It was, yeah. Around a euro plus minus. The sausage, I think, was more expensive than the beer. <laughs> yeah, but the two sausages were uh, the price of two beers. Fair. Fair. Anyway, so that was a good night. Yeah. Um, uh, what wasn't a good night <laughs> was the 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix. Well, for, for some, some it was... For yeah. Bottas, it was not, as I have given the theme of the title of the episode or of the race, I like to say, uh, Bottas goes bowling. Bottas my, bowling, yeah. is my favorite thing. And I, he essentially got a strike. Like, I, he bowled down, I think, a solid seven cars or so. Quite a few. Uh, so, but but yeah, yeah to, let's get into it from the from to, the to reset the scene. Last time we left, um, we finished after the uh, British Grand Prix. And you have to note that after the Hungarian Grand Prix, the summer break happened. But we chose to end it after Britain because that was kind of the turning point in the season with the, the tension that was bubbling up between Hamilton and Verstappen really boiling over. So far, we've talked about how Hamilton was really kind of learning to adapt to Verstappen's really quite aggressive overtaking, which sometimes he would just have to kind of let it play out um, and then take advantage of. But then in, in Britain, um, that shunt into the, yeah, what was it, 51G? into the grandstands and um uh it was a turning point in the season which it is really was we decided um, to cut the episodes there yeah. because we thought it was the ultimate turning point of the season and yeah. this is where friendship also, or any kind of like mutual respect for another kind of went out the window or started yeah. to at least yeah which was fun because we say that but for the next two races that really didn't matter at all because no. um well, Hungary, they didn't really see much of each other. And then Belgium, well, we'll get to Belgium when we get to a short conversation, that is. Exactly. And then we had uh, the Netherlands afterwards. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming back to Hungary or, or coming into Hungary, I guess, post uh, Silverstone crash and uh, Max went out of the race, Hamilton went on to win. Um, there was a lot of comments made, especially from the Red Bull camp and from Verstappen camp at how disappointed they were because Max had, was and ended up in the hospital and how disappointed they were in the like kind of moral compass around the whole Mercedes camp and the Hamilton uh, camp. And there was a lot of shots fired essentially. And uh, th like quite a few with on social media and in interviews and the team bosses. And it kind of also not just between the two drivers or on Verstappen's side that he got more mad, but it, it obliterated any kind of relationship between the teams. Like, and any main player, it doesn't matter if it was Verstappen's dad or Christian Horner or even the main um, engineer on the car, it, it, no one. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we're coming into Hungary, which honestly didn't play a big role in Hungary, to be fair. Um, there was other things that played a role, but maybe we cut into that now. Yeah. Um, Hungary, I want to do mention one thing um, because we're going to start talking about Hamilton, uh, Hamilton's drive in Hungary. Hungary is, is a 
Hungary has the nickname, let's let's start with that, of Monaco without walls. Hungary is a very narrow track with not a lot of overtaking maneuvers because a lot of the corners are very fl uh, flowing into each other and kind of very hard to have a hard braking zone or you don't really have a lot of braking zones where you can move about the track without really compromising your, your entry into the next corner. Um, so Hungary isn't a track where you, uh, where you let's call it, um, regularly overtake. Uh, so going into the weekend, um, we have a strong showing on both Red Bull and, um, and um, Mercedes' side in the qualifying with, I think, you know, them taking the top four places. And after Britain, Hamilton was now significantly closer, 25 points closer to Verstappen in the championship. It was also raining, um, which is always, always a big deal. And especially into Hungary, the, where you qualify and the way you leave the first lap is very important. Um, because if you're ahead of someone, you're quite likely to stay that way. So, and the, the point in time, obviously, where you can make up the most places, where you're most vulnerable and have the most chances of improving is the start. So it is a wet start, you know, so there's less grip. Everyone's excited. Everyone's scared, but also wants to move up places. And we go and we start and Bottas kind of bogs down. And long story short, uh, kind of upbreaks himself, crashes into the car in front of him, kicks that car. I think it was Norris at that point. Yep. Um, yeah. Who, who had way, a good way start. too late and just couldn't yep. do anything anymore and locked up and, and yeah, pushed him. Sets up a chain reaction of cars not making their breaking points, flying into other cars and takes out, as you said, six to seven cars in the first corner. Now, who was, who was, who was not affected by this? Hamilton because Hamilton had a wonderful start, got off the line well, and was already halfway through the first corner by the time this happened. Who was really affected by this? The Red Bulls. Perez was fully out. Verstappen had damage on his car that was honestly so bad, it was miraculous that he made it out of, or that he made it through that race. Yeah. Um, what was very good for Verstappen was right after the general incident in the corner, the race was red flagged, meaning that it was stopped just to get yeah. all the stuff off the track, essentially, and cleared up yeah. again. And that was the lifesaver or kind of the, well, I guess, yeah, the lifesaver kind of thrown towards Verstappen that here's a chance at the very least. Um, yeah. But if we continue along, like what happened with the incident? So Bottas hits Norris, Norris goes sliding and hits, like, knocks out Perez completely and then yeah. bumps into Verstappen as well. And it's like, oh shit, he's screwed as well. Um, but at the same time, we have, um, based off all the backing that's happening, Norris season up, uh, Norris, sorry, Stroll sees an opportunity and goes in on the right and sees an opportunity to just overtake a few, but he has way too much pace and essentially missed his breaking point as well and ends up carting someone else off the track. I'm not sure who it was. I'm, I want to say Ricardo, but I'm not sure. Um, I think because the McLarens were both out after, or well, uh, Norris was out after this and Ricardo was, was pretty much nowhere after this. So it might've been Ricardo. I don't think it was a Ferrari. Um, because the Ferraris no. uh, did pretty well after this. Anyway, so they were out yeah. as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we actually get into the race after it was restarted. And this was one of the funniest things uh, of the whole season, yes. kind of. One what, of my funniest... favorite images of the entire yeah. season, yeah. One of the best pictures of the season, I would say, too. Because we have pretty much everybody going into the pits during the red flag. 
um, and Hamilton is the one person that decides to like stay out essentially. Mind you, which, in first, so yeah. he makes the decision first. He has no one to go off of. Yeah, and then everybody else <laughs> decides to do the opposite. Yeah. So when the race restarts, because from a red flag, it's completely again like at the beginning, um, with lights counting down. The cameras are all pointing, and you just see Hamilton. You see no other yeah. car. Every other car had to start from the pits, and this was this was one of the funniest images. So um, it, it ended up being a pretty you know chill start, I guess, for that matter, or restart because everybody kind of went out of the pits. George Russell kind of cut a corner and got a penalty for it later on. Um, but yeah, that's why he had to give a place back. But apart from that, uh, then we continue along the race and through this whole crazy mix-up crash and whatever, there's been a slight re-altering of the positions in the race, I guess you would say. And uh, Ocon has been essentially i think he moved up to second behind hamilton then with fresher tires than hamilton mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that and vettel had been running a really good race until then as well who was right behind um Ocon. so from that point on it was really watching some other drivers getting the limelight because Verstappen was really far down with all of his upgrades and damage trying to still uh you know he would have to go from fairly far back i'm not sure if he was in last at that point but yeah. Well, uh, he was essentially in last. He overtook a few people. He overtook Mick Schumacher throughout the race. But that was a point that I still wrote down that I thought was pretty yeah. exceptional racing because if you compare the two cars, one finished first and the other finished last mm-hmm. <laughs> of the cars, right? So they're about as far as apart as you could be. And Mick really held his ground for three, four corners. Uh, he did like really good racing. You could argue he shouldn't, but it, they were why not they were yeah but exactly like, why wouldn't him. he make sure at that point the car this was the closest to has we're going to get two points the entire season you know there was a few laps where schumacher was running in in the points um so for him to not fight for you know for <laughs> for his dear life it'd be a, it'd be a bigger mistake than for him to go oh you know what i don't want to get involved with this yeah yeah so um we continue along the race and maybe you want to uh, talk us through the final moments um, yeah, so so there's there's obviously the main point of them uh, of then Hamilton having to pit uh, to get the slick tires on as well as all the others had done that, and then also having you know charging through the field. Um, so this is what I meant uh, earlier when I said this isn't a track you normally overtake. Yet we see Hamilton overtake pretty much the entire field during all of this, until he runs into Fernando Alonso, who's a very seasoned driver, and knowing that his teammate is currently fighting for first um put a puts a lot of effort into kind of protecting the overall timing of the race um and yep. holds holds hamilton behind him for quite an extended period of time i think it was three laps in the end yeah they which, raced hard too like, yeah. and don't get me well. wrong there is no way the alpine could do that and i don't think there's any way alonso could have done that even on a skill level uh, these days um in on a track that wasn't or that isn't as hard to overtake on as Hungary, but that doesn't matter because he did, and it was fucking amazing, you know. Exactly. Um, like that's that's an afterthought. He did. We it. have we have Fettel chasing down Ocon. Um, there are sciences in the mix as well, and we kind of moved move towards the end of the race. Uh, Verstappen gets ninth in the end, I think, but uh, we move towards the end of the race, and we have this beautiful situation of Hamilton going down and chasing down this like gaggle of of uh, Fettel and Ocon. Um, but doesn't actually manage to get him. And we see Ocon uh, being the however manyth new race winner in Formula One. Uh, and we see Vettel uh, finish in second, but ultimately 
uh, getting disqualified because of fuel regulations, uh, which is, you know, still a shame. Um, so yeah, Hamilton ended up passing uh, this the the Ferrari from Science yeah. fairly. He caught up and then did a good job, and uh, did it on a really cool tight corner. Overtook him, um, and then Vettel was still ahead of him, but he didn't get Vettel because Vettel had a really good day. Vettel had a fantastic race. To no fault of his own, when they finished, they realized that he had too little fuel to do testing later, and that's an automatic disqualification, which really sucks. But Ocon hero of the day, uh, really cool, and it really was only possible because of Alonso's strong defense against Hamilton because it wasn't like they finished 2.7 seconds apart. So if Alonso wouldn't give him that long battle, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. Like Hamilton would have won this race. Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting things about Hungary is if you don't overtake into the first corner or into corner, or oh, don't let me lie, uh, one, two, three, four, five, or to turn five, um, you're stuck behind the other car for pretty much the rest of the lap, which will slow you down, right? If you're Lewis Hamilton, you have a pace advantage of two seconds a lap, and you're stuck behind Fernando Alonso, it'll cost you the two seconds you're quicker and an additional second of just being stuck behind him for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the lap. So that really cost Hamilton dearly. Um, but nonetheless, Hamilton finishing second in the end um, overtakes Verstappen uh, comfortably in the championship lead. Yep, uh, that's what we can cover next. So from that race finish, which by the way you were saying. This was the best chance for Haas to get points. Mick had his season best here, finishing 12th. Yeah, finishing 12th. Out of, what, 14 well, out people? Of, out of 13 drivers who finished, <laughs> Giovinazzi being the, the one who came up last there. But yeah, it was six DNFs and one disqualified at the end. Yeah. So he technically finished 13th. Um, but he put in some really solid driving, and this is his reputation really gained from this from this mm-hmm. race. Like Absolutely. him kind of proving himself to the level that he could. Uh, Gasly got another P5, which... I think Alpha Tower will be happy with because, I mean, Alpine got one and P1 and four, which obviously in that kind of race for, for fifth, um, not too happy, but solid, solid race, I guess. And Tsunoda got fairly unlucky, but still ended up finishing P6, which was pretty cool. There, was, uh, there wasn't much competition for P6 at that point, was there? <laughs> no. However, Latifi finished two seconds behind him. Yes, and two seconds behind him was Russell, and the other one. We, sh- we should mention this was Williams's first points in probably since 2018. Yeah, that may be 2018, and 2017, somewhere there. Behind Russell, only a second is Verstappen, um, yeah. finishing ninth, and Raikkonen P10, which is a nice little rare point there for for Alpha, and then yeah, Ricardo in 11. Um, cool. The championship standing after that was as follows. Hamilton with 192, Verstappen with 186. So there's now a six-point gap. Mind you, two races ago, Verstappen was, at that was 33 points ahead. Yeah, pretty crazy. One of them being where Hamilton absolutely intentionally crashed him into the wall. <laughs> uh, I know I'm for joking. sure that we can say that that was entirely Verstappen's fault who was trying to fish for good reactions by getting yeah. himself into the hospital. He did it for uh, more and social it, media fans. And we will now proceed to have a fist fight over this. <laughs> or like a Reddit, like angry <laughs> comment section. Um, third place, Lando Norris, 113. Uh, also only a five-point gap to Bottas in fourth uh, at 108. And then only a four-point <laughs> gap to Sergio Perez uh, with hundred with 104. Um so you see the top five, or at least 
third through fifth is a really close battle. They're yeah. nine points apart, which is yeah. pretty crazy. At this point, also, we've kind of been following the story of Ferrari and the two drivers in terms of they were the most equal drivers. Like they almost had two number one drivers this year. Um, right. And it was meant that Sainz was going to be like a second, but he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on equal points, each at 80 at this point. Um, Ricardo in, with 50 points kind of lagging the Mercedes a bit down. Uh, the Mercedes and McLaren, my bad. Uh, Vettel on P9 and Gasly P10. Which at that point, I think, shows that Alpha Tauri is probably ahead of... I don't know, actually. No, not after Hungary. After Hungary, Alpine took the lead over um, Alpha Tauri, correct? I wouldn't know. Doesn't matter. Moving on to the next race. Well, race we call it moving on to the qualifying that we had in belgium oh i didn't even write down belgium i just was about to announce dutch grand prix <laughs> yeah. um yeah i think we I, we don't have much to talk about it i think yeah. it was a bit of a farce um i'm especially disappointed in yeah there not being any kind of major any one of none of the major players in in kind of this general scheme so not not the formula one not the fia Neither the venue nor any of the teams or drivers have taken any step towards saying, hey, let's refund the people who spent good amount of money. You know, Spa is one of the cheaper places to attend. We went a couple of years ago in 2018. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. And yeah, nothing came of it, you know. And to, to make a long story short, it was pouring. It was absolutely pouring. Um, they had a qualifying. Norris had a big, big shunt, um, dangerous accident into a rouge. Um, they decided in the end, we should mention uh, George Russell qualifying second. Um, Put up a gave, big lap. Wonderful big, lap, big yeah. Lap. 201, I think, the time, which in, in the conditions they were driving, it was fantastic. Yeah, um, I mean, and then, was, it was amazing. Only Verstappen he, took it away from him, yeah, I think. Yeah, out-qualified Hamilton in a Williams, this is pretty much, in my opinion, probably what solidified his joining mercedes there you couldn't after that kind of result you couldn't not do it um anyways so qualifying was interesting the race wasn't a race they had two laps behind the safety car to make it officially count as a race and then gave half points because any race that finishes less than 75 percent of the total laps only gives half points long story short the shame is that you know people paid good money i remember we paid around 60 euro a ticket and yep. we had to really kind of struggle to find cheap tickets. And we were and we, we were sitting like in the dirt in, on like in the a, forest, on the hillside, yeah. yeah, on the edge of yeah. the forest. And you know, the, this is the cheaper one of the cheaper venues to attend. You know, and, there's a sorry, but to to add on to the importance of this race too, or to the fans in that sense and to the community, this until this season kind of was considered Max's home race. So yeah. a lot of one of the top contenders for the title for their whole revenue basis, essentially the battle between Verstappen and Hamilton. Verstappen's kind of home race. There's so many Dutch fans and they're crazy and they bring such a great atmosphere. And they were sitting there the entire time. Like the race was delayed by I don't know how many hours. I kept waiting to go home because I wanted to watch the race and it just mm-hmm. kept getting delayed. And I remember just sitting around and the fans were just always in the rain, still singing and no one left. It was amazing. To hear that there's no refunds for that kind of event, that really sucks because very yeah. few people, I mean, most people just go to the race, right? Because buying the extra ticket for the for the qualifying and for this um, everything that comes beforehand, the weekend, the practices, I think less people do that. 
and especially people getting the cheap seats and the cheap tickets, they should be remunerated, especially if it gets canceled like that. And their passion, man, it was such a cool sight. And they focused yeah. on it too, the whole time during the broadcast waiting, like how cool the fans are. Yeah. Just want to point out remunerated is a fantastic word. Thank you. Did I say um, it incorrectly? I almost tripped over it. I don't know what it means. I've never heard it before. Oh, really? It's like a fancy word for uh, paying someone. Yeah, I figured that from the contextual clues. Um, remuneration. Remuneration. Yeah. Fair enough. But my bad. I let weird lingo slip into my language. No, <laughs> come on. It's fun. I'm not, I wasn't chastising you. I was just saying that's a really cool word I didn't know before. Come on. Um, yeah. But moving from Max's pseudo um, home race to the Dutch Grand Prix. Well, so what was the finish at the end? Verstappen got first. Oh, Mark Verstappen got first. No, Verstappen, Russell, Hamilton yeah, Russell. as the top three. And yeah. then I'm pretty sure uh, Norris didn't get much out of it because he crashed out of Q2. Right. Um, yeah, Ricardo got P4, though. Good for him. Uh, Vettel got P5, so that was good, but he only got half points, sadly. For some of these, you're like, oh, man, it'd be good if they got full points, <laughs> like mm -hmm. for Russell or for Vettel. Be nice. Um, yeah, uh, going to the Dutch Grand Prix, Toby, you were going to say? Ah, yes, the Dutch Grand Prix in uh, beautiful northern Holland. Uh, or the, the, Is it Holland, actually? I don't know. Can you pronounce it in Dutch? What, Sandvoort? Yeah, there you go. Sandvoort. Um, Sandvoort. Sandvoort. An old track um, rejuvenated for Formula One. Big plans, um, obviously, with Verstappen being this popular in the Netherlands. And one of the major things I want to point out about the Netherlands, having lived here for the past few years, there is a wonderful countrywide sportsmanship for the people they have going to any sort of sport event. It's, it's always lovely to see. Or may, maybe it's only in the circles I kind of go around and who, who care about you know, international sports and these sort of things. But there is always this beautiful yeah, fever for, for when the Dutch have, um, have, a, have a chance at anything in, in sports, when you know, they have someone to cheer on. It's, it's very fun. Uh, it's a wonderful atmosphere always. Um, but it was a big show, um, the Dutch Grand Prix. Wonderful track. Um, ages ago, I spent a holiday in the center park uh, just around the corner. And we actually, when you walk up one of the, one of the major dunes that kind of locks in that center park, uh, you can see the, the bank corner. You're right behind it. It's a beautiful uh, really corner. Fun. Yeah, really, really fun. Uh, Formula One NASCAR-like action. Um, really cool track. Very, very fast. Very hilly. Very twisty, turny. Um, wasn't the most interesting race. I'll put it out there. Um, um, no, because Red Bull reasserted, like, this was a good Red Bull track, but also they have, like, people realized again or re-realized that... Um, they have a very good car and they might have a legit shot at be having a better car than Mercedes because yeah. the last few races, you know, their big lead from, from the double, or I think they won three races in a row, something along those lines, uh, that stretch going through Austria as well. The two races, yeah. where they really just showed their five dominance. Monaco, five. Azerbaijan, Red Bull, uh, France, Austria, Austria. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, Paris won okay. in Azerbaijan. Yeah. yeah right. Right. Um, but just that general that this came back in this race and uh, it was so dominant that it was almost 
boring for the level of excitement that there's been from a race to race basis this last season. Yeah. So I don't know. Verstappen won. He was fast. Yeah. Hamilton was, second. Hamilton was second. He was 20 yeah. seconds slower. There, there was an interesting moment, I'll say, just for um, Valtteri Bottas, uh, which kind of cemented once more his the second driver mentality that Mercedes had towards him, where he aborted the, his fastest lap attempt. Or, well, he still got the fastest lap, but he set up a time that Hamilton could easily beat. And I don't know how Bottas felt after this, uh, but after seeing Russell kind of put on the performances that he had the two races prior, and then coming into this and kind of being kicked, you know, uh, like he was, you know, being told, hey, hold up for stop and he's coming up behind you and then he can't do it and then he can't uh, fight for the fastest lap and he kind of has to go, yeah, I was just going for a joke, you know. This break, the, the summer break, was it after Hungary or after Belgium? After Hungary. Okay, that's interesting though. Then Russell had a really good qualifying right after he was signed by Mercedes. Was he signed over the summer break? I'm pretty sure he was signed. Oh no! It came they a week later. It, it came right after. No, Spa. he was. He. I'm, I think he was signed. Wasn't he signed just before Turkey? No, I thought it was. It was after Spa. Pretty sure. Doesn't I'm, matter. Okay, good to know. Didn't come as a reaction to Spa. I'm pretty. That's what I'm pretty sure. But in the, no, Bottas also didn't. That signing was also done later on because Alpha didn't announce anything. But it was very clear coming out of the summer break. We should have maybe mentioned this. Uh, because I have his name written down a couple times later, is that Giovinazzi was not going to, or it was very clear that he was on the edge of uh, mm -hmm. not keeping his seat, essentially, at Alpha. Yeah. And Kimi, I think it may have leaked through, but people were at the very least highly speculative that he was going to retire at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so it was, okay, are they going to get two drivers, um, two new drivers, or are they going to get uh, one new driver and keep Giovinazzi? So Giovinazzi was under pressure. And I have to say, he did show quite a bit of like cool moves towards the end. He just never made the very best of it. And he got a bit of bad luck. But um, we'll get into that later. I have his name written down. Coming back to this Grand Prix. Um, no, wait. We would, yeah, anything else to the Dutch Grand Prix you want to say? Um, my favorite part of it was when they put on Supermax on the grandstands um, as they were walking the track. I thought that was pretty fun. Great. Right. Other than so, that, there. Oh yeah, we can have conversations here about how it was a new track in in F one, and you know, drivers were kind of finding the limits. But I'm not sure we're that kind of you know technical technical racing analysis podcast. No, and I haven't no, had dinner, and that, that beer is hitting me pretty hard right now. So that's yeah, cool. me too, me too. <laughs> Plus, you're drinking a way harder beer than I am. Yeah, so um, I haven't eaten much. So Hamilton got the fastest lap in this race, meaning that Verstappen only gained six points on him, and from that, you know. He, I think they were tied after this race in the championship. Yeah, mm. they will have been yeah. tied. Which, cool. Cool. It's exciting. It's close. And it's good because Verstappen's back in the lead and has maybe taken the momentum out of uh, Hamilton a little bit because it was pretty well. dominant. The one thing was Perez ended up eighth, which wasn't a great, great thing. I don't remember exactly why, but that sticks out to me in an odd way right now. What sticks out to you in an odd way? Perez finished eighth. Hmm. Seems like this, yeah, just seems a bit odd. Maybe he just didn't have a good race. Well, well, he didn't have a good race in Hungary. Belgium no, I was think kind his of, qualifying was off and he didn't get through. It's not an easy track to overtake, yeah, and especially exactly. with the 
with a car as as you know i haven't driven it but it's described as as twitchy you know with a car that i could imagine being quite tough to get the hold off of on a technical track such as the netherlands I, i'd imagine that shows quite quite strongly if you yeah if you have this little if you have little insecurities with a car usually you will have large insecurities with a car on a track like this absolutely absolutely so yeah, that race can be pretty much labeled as pure dominance. <laughs> by Verstappen, yeah. By Verstappen, not by the whole Red Bull team. Um, this next race is pretty exciting. And considering that the turning point for us, we consider to be Silverstone, what happened, um, there was a lot of stuff kind of just bubbling around. There always seemed to be a lot of tension. In the Belgian Grand Prix, no racing was really allowed and it was only qualifying. So there was no real head-on. Uh, in in Hungary, there was the whole bowling incident, which um, maybe Mercedes was like, we're going to plan this and fuck both Red Bulls and exactly do what we what Bottas did. I doubt that. But that kind of kept Hamilton and Verstappen from really racing with each other properly. So we get to the Italian GP, and this is where we see those first signs that there, there might be something. And we'll get into that later, but this is also the final... Um, is it the final sprint season, the sprint race of the season, Toby? Oh, no, it's the second to last sprint race. It's the race. second to last one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think this last season of the 23 races, they did three sprint races. And it's a so. new concept that's kind of come in, an idea to extend the weekend, increase motivation for proper racing and not just uh, practice or qualifying. And obviously, you know, take up more time of the week and be able to expand to the fan base. Um I'll give it over to you here because I know you wanted to say a couple of things about especially what went down in Monza. Um, yeah, so the sprint race, essentially, I don't think we talked about it in Silverstone, um, but the sprint race is a format where on the Friday you have your regular qualifying. On the Saturday, you have a um, 25% or 20% uh, race distance short race, um, which starts in the order that people qualified for on Friday. Um, and the top three are awarded um, three, two, and one points in descending order. So uh, there's an incentive to, to race. There's an incentive to have the, yeah, the, the fans kind of sit there and actually sit through more of it. The, the general weekend has become more exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, there is a bit more of a mix-up, let's put it. Now, the big criticism, especially with Italy, was, okay, the sprint race was boring, which I can understand why people would think that um, in the sense that after the first few laps, nothing much happened because, you know, the times you're going to make up big spots in formula one are the start and then the pit stops and sprint races don't have pit stops so you know sprint you race... races are a lot shorter yeah so you race five laps and then after that everyone kind of leaves the tires maybe someone goes for a pit stop but what is the likelihood of them actually coming back and really finishing up high um the italian sprint race i thought was really interesting just because the first few the first lap brought so many changes with it right um, we had kind of people overtaking and out qualifying into positions, especially the McLarens, where they're usually not really meant to be. And then, yeah, of course, okay, yeah, maybe from lap 13 onwards, it wasn't the most interesting thing in the world, but I was still sitting there gripping the edge of my seat because they were all so close to each other. It was, it was a strategy that also not often happens to this extent, where a lot of people just kind of raced for a long time on their tires. So um, I, I, I've enjoyed every single sprint race that we've seen in Formula One. And it's, I think it'd be a shame if we don't see them next season or if we don't kind of see them going forward. 
Well, um, I mean, that's also something that's really in line with some of the, the main intentions behind the new regulations, which is just to have the cars closer all the time, mm-hmm. to, to, to decrease the performance gap between cars and really make them stick on one on 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 well on one patch of area for an entire race or as as much as possible to just to have competitive racing to make it yeah. more fun. Um, and that there are rumors. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but I thought it was pretty close that they were going to do five or six sprint races next season. Five or six. I heard. I I had. I I also heard that there's going to be more than we saw this season or previous season. But I thought it was going to be around four. But I'll be happy with any sprint race we see. I think in general, Formula One could get a bit more creative with their qualifying format. Um, as a race is a race, you know, unless we want to have things like Joker routes like they have in Rallycross, then I don't think we're going to see much meddling with races. But with qualifying, you know, especially in the last few years where we've seen people kind of break each other out of another qualifying lap and get super bunched up towards the end of the of Q3 and all that sort of mess, you know, mix up qualifying between tracks, you know. Uh, maybe tracks like so, like high speed tracks could have a sprint qualifying race, um, you know, because they're relatively safe. They're um, not too technical. But then races like Monaco, um, where essentially if you are not in a clean air for qualifying, if you hit any traffic, you're ruined. Monaco, do it, you know, fuck the three, um, uh, like the Q1, Q, Q2, Q3, have it. Monaco, you know, you have a 12 minutes or 15. Well, I guess it'd have to be half an hour. A half an hour time slot everyone gets three minutes within that time slot you put your laps in and you're done you know like make it like a one-shot sprint race i think that'd be really or like a one-shot qualifying i think that'd be really cool uh similar for other street uh, tracks like singapore and you know then then you could even get into really interesting things with sending cars out in batches depending on where they finish or where they are in the standing um i think there's a lot more to kind of explore with qualifying also in the name of of fairness um and that could be changed from track to track you know and then obviously quite a few could just remain the way we are now but you know i feel like qualifying isn't as conserved as the race as we've seen in the past decade or two where qualifying changed from okay you go out and you just continuously pump in laps for an hour to the uh, system we have now to so many other things i think there's a there's really a lot more to kind of explore there and if the sprint qualifying is part of that, then yes, sign me up. I've enjoyed it, you know. I like watching Absolutely. a short race on Saturdays. Exactly. It's a nice, like from a fan perspective, it's not a huge time investment and it's a lot more excitement and it builds, you know, further context for the race that you watch the next day. So yep. it really fits into the whole, I don't know, if the drivers are cool with it because it's probably a bit more strenuous on their behalf and if it's like yeah. okay that way, but it seems to be okay. Because in qualifying, it's not like they're going any less hard. <laughs> they're yeah. putting way faster times in. Yeah. Um, you know, then, also, yeah. for Formula One to be competitive on a global kind of market, and you're more the expert there, but I'd imagine it'd be really good for ticket sales, for example, as well, when you can sell your sun- your Saturday, you know, as a mini Sunday. You're going to have, keep the press the same. You're just going to have a lot more people attend. No, especially because they... They label it not sprint qualifying, but sprint race. Sprint race, yeah. Right? It's an extra race. And their plan is not to have a super boring, like, sorry to everyone that likes Fridays, but Fridays are pretty fucking boring. 
you can push a Friday and move it to the Thursday, which means the press starts on a Wednesday or even on a Tuesday already because everybody will arrive like half a day earlier. So everything that like the videos you get when they first land at the track, when they first do their first whatever's, all that stuff is like one day earlier. So it's just way more and it totally fits in with their general strategy of wanting to become a way more a global sport and attract a huge viewership. That's why there's theirs, drive to survive, et cetera. And it fits. I, I think it's a good, I don't think they are ruining racing with it at all. Cause they're not, no, they're not having a, like a lot of people I've heard, they, they say the sprint races are not that, imp- or they're not that good because there's too little championship points. And mm-hmm. I think the reason they didn't do many championship points is because they didn't want to make it that big of a deal yet. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something to definitely look at in the future. Like you can, you don't have to just say yes or no to them. You can really adapt them and kind of, you know, yeah, change I mean, them to make them have them the perfect. I'd, I'd be in favor of it. You know, give it the um. Oh, I forgot when it was. Give it the the old point system. The top or the top six or the top eight get points from ten points for first place and then descending. Yeah, you know something like that. It doesn't. I agree. If if a sprint rate gives points similar to a proper race it'd be shit it i think that'd be quite yeah i think that just you know then why put in the risk in the big race if you can have equal gains in a sprint race and then you just go full risk there and you also have a good starting position it'd be a bit unsafe as well i think if you have 22 cars just absolutely fucking gunning it for 20 laps and trying to kick each other out and then there's a whole nother race for which you're on the back foot if you make a tiny mistake now that would affect the actual like racing and the kind of championship structure but that's also a cool thought like just as kind of a brain exercise like what if that would be interesting because you might have that right but then a whole new rule book would come out in terms of like different kinds of penalties and what you're allowed to do and whatnot and man it'd be maybe it would be like mario kart maybe you give them bananas as well as items that they can pick up and oh please no (laughs) it would be amazing or little like Uh, oil things to drip Oh, we see that sometimes. <laughs> Anywho, um, let's get to the actual race or the result of the sprint race, if you will. Um, no, let's get to the race just because we're taking up a lot of time with with Italy here. Well, I know you wanted um, you had a sprint rant planned. Yeah, which 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 was this, right? I just want to say my opinion <laughs> on the sprint race is that it's I've I've enjoyed all of them, you know, not just Brazil. Um, yeah, but the race. Um, the big thing we got to talk about is um, obviously. Um, uh Verstappen and Verstappen and Hamilton were going on different strategies um Verstappen comes in first uh, has a terrible pit stop 11.5 seconds somewhere there Hamilton comes in second has a bad, advantage of it <laughs> has a bad pit stop as well leading to them coming out onto track pretty much at the same time um they go into turn one I'm not gonna let you do that dude we have to give a lot of credit already in qualifying to Doris and Ricardo I mean, I was going to have the next point then being the McLaren beautiful story. No, because story. then it sounds like they only won the race because of Verstappen and Hamilton's. Okay, fair enough. Race. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give, give like, McLaren No, 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 no. You can continue, but I just want to stress no, go. that McLaren really deserved to be starting pole and I think P3 or P4, something along, or P5 even. I don't know where Ricardo exactly started. but Ricardo, uh, started, Ricardo started first. Ricardo um, started first? Then it was Verstappen, I think. I thought Norris started first. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure Norris got the pole. Let's see. And then Ricardo overtook him because he was faster and had newer tires. 
But in essence, McLaren started this race uh, very well, um, off coming off of good qualifying and got the pole. And v- consistently throughout until the Hamilton Verstappen. Dude, we got stuff it so started. we got it so fucking wrong. What? <laughs> we got it so wrong. Bottas started in first, then Hamilton, then Verstappen, then Norris, then Ricardo. They got P4 and five. Yeah. And then the starting grid was Verstappen, Ricardo, Norris, Hamilton. So Ricardo Norris overtook the Mercedes's. The Mercedes's? Uh, Mercedes. Verstappen overtook everyone in the sprint race. And then something happened to Bottas. He ended up, oh, Bottas, Bottas took the grid penalty. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Which moved up to P3 and 4, the McLarens. And okay, then in the race, in the first few laps, they did a really good job. Yeah. And uh, I think coming out of turn two or so, uh, both McLarens had moved up and won already into first. I don't exactly Ricardo overtook Verstappen on the starts, as that is what I'm pretty certain on. But he got a dream start. I mean, he nailed it. And yeah. uh, it was it was really well done. And all I have written down is McLaren. And uh, I think that's the day they gained the most social media followers of the whole like season because they're very hip and up and coming in that way. Um, but yeah, now, now the other big point I have written down is um, bad beef. <laughs> so maybe yeah. we cut back to coming out of the pit stops. They both had bad at the same time training. going into going into turn one. Yep. And we kind of see the accumulation of um, Hamilton learning how aggressive Verstappen is. Um, but instead of yeah thinking he's doing the same thing he always does, which is uh, kind of out you know let Verstappen do his aggressive thing. Um, and then pay, let Verstappen pay the price and kind of take the corner. Uh, we see Hamilton go a bit aggressive on the defense as well. And Verstappen not backing out, which I think was, in hindsight, was what Hamilton expected, which is, you know, okay, I'm going to do what I always do, which is leave him the room to fuck himself. And then he's going to, you know, do that. Where, but uh, Verstappen actually kept his foot in. And um, long story short, they, they had a bit of a moment into uh, turn two. Um, which is, it's a chicane, right? So it's, it's a right and then a left. Uh, jumps or drives over a sausage curb, which is a very high ele- elevation curb, uh, gets jaunted into or gets vaulted into the air, lands on top of Hamilton's car and pushes them both, both outside of out, out of the track, ending their races. Um, which that now, was the incredible thing, you know? I, I think what's really to your point of Hamilton adapting to Verstappen's driving, which has been a theme and we've kind of consistently addressed this, um, it really led to, especially in that kind of space, it was a chicane going through, right? So one sharp corner leading to another. And you really saw both were not going to back out because yeah. Hamilton was like, okay, he really is never going to back down. He, he will do whatever and I will do the same. I'm going to yeah. adjust to this. And it really led to right after the crash happened, like the first thing they said, they each said, man, he didn't give me enough space or he just came, you know, he was way too aggressive. Yeah. And, uh, it immediately collided and i want to add to that so verstappen this is again shout out to the halo which was introduced five six years ago something along 2018 20 oh three years ago only four well the season start of 2018 okay um so uh, four years ago and it's really paid off and because i don't think hamilton could have raced if uh like continued his racing career if it wasn't for the halo because verstappen's whole car and like tire that was still spinning very fast yeah landed right on top of it and like a, it, it, like kept a lot of shrapnel and weight away from the yeah. driver's head which was very close 
So great addition to the to the safety rules. I think that that part of the car. Yeah. And coming off that, Hamilton uh, Verstappen knew his race was over. He directly took his wheel, his steering wheel off, and <laughs> Verstappen was, uh, and then Hamilton. Pardon me, I'm mixing him up. Uh, just as in like some video game, just trying to reverse out of under the car, which I thought was so funny. He was so yep. in driving mode. And it almost like worked. Was huh? It almost worked. It, yeah, <laughs> but his car was so fucked up. He didn't even have the tunnel on top anymore for wind intake. Mm -hmm. like, it was completely smashed away. It was really funny. And then his brakes started like burning. So he had to, you know, jump yeah. out. Anyway, um, pretty exciting. Very exciting. I, I remember watching that Grand Prix and seeing that, and you know, I'm I'm going, oh fuck, I hope for stopping, you know, kind of I hope he gets it, you know. I, I hope he I hope he doesn't back down. I hope Hamilton doesn't overtake him. It'd be such a shame if if you know a bad a pit stop fucks him. And then I see it, and I'm like, oh wow. Uh -oh. Okay. And Verstappen was ultimately given fault for it and got a, a grid penalty going into Russia. Um, but I I remember thinking at the time, like, holy shit, uh, this is I've seen something here that was a huge accident. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not sure if if either of them was really at fault because I and again, Verstappen was assigned that fault, and that's something uh, I accept. Um and yeah, fair enough. But I, I remember thinking at the time, like, holy shit, what would either of them have made? What what choice would, would either of them have made? You know, because there was space. Verstappen wasn't the, there. There was space for early. there was space for Verstappen there. He still Hamilton had two. Didn't close he, it. Hamilton didn't close the space. Verstappen took space that was questionable, but it was there. But Hamilton didn't do anything wrong. He left Verstappen space. You know, it was just one of those moments where I don't think either of them really did anything wrong. It was incredibly hard racing it just turned out badly yeah i would agree with that but i considering hamilton was further ahead it's yeah. fair to give verstappen the, the penalty in that sense yeah, yeah because the the obvious choice or the the real choice would have been yeah verstappen needed to back out verstappen was the one who would have had to break because hamilton was a bit further ahead but you can't expect some you know no i i get you, it you don't you you can't it's and not like, oh, you know, oh, well, he should, he shouldn't have, you know, like genuinely, I don't think in that moment you could have expected anyone to, to break there because there wow. was no moment, there was no way Verstappen got around that corner um, in any competitive manner if he'd braked. And I, I listened to um, a YouTuber, Super GT, I think his name is, or the channel's name is, uh, who said something the other day, which is, uh, who said something uh, that I thought, okay, that's really it's something we aren't as aware of as we should be, which is it takes two to overtake, you know, you overtaking someone, it takes the other person playing with the same, you know, mindset as you. And if that mindset is not compatible with the overtake, then you're not going to overtake. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good thought stating the obvious, but like fair enough. Yeah. 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 So um, McLaren who had been very good up until that accident beforehand and now had, a lot more space at the front because the two others just took themselves out. Uh, so Ricardo and Norris ended up being one and two from that point on, essentially, and drove a really solid race home. Yep. About it. Bottas held up Mercedes ground a little bit and minimized their loss. And I think these are the cases where Bottas is such a good second driver. People really underappreciate him. And I've seen him like so low on a lot of people's driver ratings for or rankings for the season. Yeah, yeah, it really is a shame. It's, it's tough the role that he played and like that constant kind of second man. Like he played it really well too. And again, like 
I mean, I know he made some mistakes and everything, but still, I thought here he drove really well, finished um, third. McLaren, it was just their weekend, man. And they yeah. really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. We saw a couple shoeys. Um, and what else did we see? Oh, and we saw a bet being paid off where um, Zach Brown, the CEO of the of McLaren, he bet Daniel Ricardo if he would win a race, then he'd get a tattoo. Mm-hmm. And because they got P1 and 2, that tattoo occurred very quickly after the race. <laughs> Which is pretty funny because this is the second time this has happened. <laughs> yeah, but that tattoo the with Cyril, um, that was back in I th- Renault. Same bet was made. And, yeah, the uh, year before. Yeah, the year before. But the tattoo was only done like a few weeks, a few months ago. So technically because of COVID. Anyway, Perez finished P5, Leclerc P4, Signs P6. Stroll P7, Alonso P8, Russell P9, Ocon P10, Latifi Vettel, Giovinazzi, Kubica. This hey. is where he got, this is why Kubica, this race, this is the only race Kubica drove because Raikkonen had COVID, I think. Uh, two races. He raced in Hungary, I think. Ah, okay. Well, or, these two or races in, are the uh, reason sorry. that he's ranked above Mazepin in the driver standings for this year. Wait, no, it wouldn't have been the one or two races he finished above Mazepin. Did Kubica race in the Netherlands? No. So because he raced, he had two races where he stood in for uh, Kimi. Yeah, he did race in, in the Netherlands. Ah, oh. funny that. Anyways. Finished P15. Then. Kubica, so uh, this is why he's higher than Mazepin. Yeah, in the standings, because he's, both races that he drove were better than any finishes that Mazepin put in. Um, yeah, so coming out of the Italian GP, we have a huge McLaren boost, and everybody's thinking, oh man, McLaren's going to take off from here and really get mm-hmm. that P3 and the constructors down. And because Ferrari at that point wasn't looking that great, their engine, their speed wasn't optimal. But I think they made the change. When did they make the change? The engine change? McLaren this year? Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari. You know, during the uh, season, they, they at yes. some point switched it. I know. They, they updated their previous engine. Um, I was thinking the same thing as I was listening to the, as I was re-listening to the highlights um, before. before Because we this race, it was like, oh man, McLaren is better. Because yeah. they finished P1 and 2, the yeah. only team to achieve it this whole season. Yeah. No other team has finished P1, P2. Yeah, I couldn't tell you from memory when Ferrari brought their engine update. I feel like it was, um, I feel like it was either... Because they brought it to Leclerc first and then Sainz got it a race later. And I feel like they brought it to Leclerc this race and then to Sainz next race in Russia. So I remember Sainz taking, someone taking an engine penalty. Or maybe Leclerc took the engine penalty penalty in Russia and then Sainz took it in Turkey. Absolutely. That could be. Um, but it was around this time that they updated their hybrid system, which was, you know, really paid, up for, uh, paid off for them. Yeah. So from this race, we essentially have the same points difference that we had before between um, Verstappen and Hamilton because, well, they both did not finish. Uh, so still five point difference between them. Um, Bottas third, Norris fourth. So there's now a significant difference that was taken over, I think, from the Belgian and um, Belgian and Dutch Grand Prix. So he had lost some ground there. Perez is P5 at 118. 
So he is now 23 points behind um, Bottas in P3 in terms of the difference of constructors. Six and seven is Science, uh, is Leclerc and Science respectively, 104 and 97, Ricardo 83, Gasly and Alonso rounding up the top 10. That concluded a very exciting weekend. And from then on, people were talking a lot about Mercedes for the next week. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, but that takes us to Russia. Unless there was anything you wanted to add for the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, only Giovinazzi qualified very well as the only Italian um, on track yeah. and then crashed out in, in lap one or yeah. had a had a shunt in lap, lap one, which was a shame. It's always nice to see Italians win in Italy. Uh, it was sad. How got- mad they go. I think he tied his season best in terms of qualifying. He got yeah, seventh quite yeah. quite often. Um, yeah, there was some other stuff that happened, but I think we covered the most important stuff. So yeah, yeah. Russia. Russia. Very exciting race on a very unexciting track. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a fantastic race. Norris quali- first time I think we see a fully non um, Red Bull Mercedes based front grid or front row. We saw Norris and one and Leclerc or si- no Norris and Science on one and two, which was amazing. Um, was good. And then to do it a bit abridged, um, interesting race. Verstappen took a grid penalty, also got a penalty for his incident in Italy, which we just covered. Um, so he started from the back. Um, and then we had a, a, a race of him finding, him finding his way through the field. And that got really exciting by the end with rain because Norris started to lead the race relatively early on in the first quarter and then um, didn't give that up until Hamilton chased him down in the rain. And then we saw um, a moment of kind of the driver trusting the team versus the driver not doing so for coming in for inters, uh, which ultimately cost Norris the race. I think he finished seventh or so in the end, which was a damn shame. It would have been lovely to see Norris win this, um, but he didn't. Hamilton did. Verstappen in that chaos towards the last few laps got second place, so minimized the damage. Um, which I would have said, oh, hey, that's how you do an engine change. You know, you start last and then you get second. Uh, how incredible that saved him the season if Hamilton didn't pull the same thing in Brazil and finished, you know, first <laughs> with it also. Absolutely. <laughs> what I think is worth pointing out in terms of the narrative of the season coming into this race. Mm-hmm. Um, since Silverstone, which was four races ago at that point, coming into Russia, Hamilton had not won a race. And Silverstone was his 99th Grand Prix victory. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like press talk. And it's it, for any of our listeners that might also um, follow basketball and the NBA, Stephen Curry is like considered the greatest shooter of all time, especially from distance. So three point shooters. And he was one, but where he was really close to breaking the record. So like, Every game, the five games leading up to it, he just had so much media pressure on him to like perform and everything and, and had a couple really bad shooting nights until he did finally manage it in really cool way. But it, it's that narrative was going into it. It was really similar. And uh, uh, Hamilton was really looking for his 100th victory, but it obviously didn't start as planned or it was not going to be the easiest of victories ever. Um, but if I were to give Russia a title i guess a name for the for the race weekend would be hero call uh because norris as you said stayed out too long but i think he he, it was really up to him his crew wanted him to pit and get intermediates for the rain just like pretty much everybody else did on the track and 
he said no because he thought it was okay. Hamilton ended up going into the pit, so he had quite a bit of lead. And unluckily for him, within like 30 seconds, it all of a sudden started raining like crazy. Yeah. And That's why I would have titled the Russian Grand Prix Rain Fucks Young Boy. <laughs> Judge prosecutor is filing for lifelong sentence. <laughs> That's funny. Uh yeah, that's essentially what I was uh, going with because it was a 50-50 call. And if Norris would have pitted, there's a solid chance Hamilton would have come in. It would have stayed out. Yeah, for sure. So um, like, there was a very interesting thing uh, one of the commentators said during that Grand Prix uh, when Norris stayed out on that lap and Hamilton came in. He said, um, this is the benefit of uh, being second, you know, because you can see what the first does and then make your decision against it, which comes back in Abu Dhabi with uh, Verstappen being second and just getting to choose, you know, the thing that Hamilton doesn't choose. Um, which is a whole kind of in the narrative of the season. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, same with Hungary, you know, being anyone but the first has its positives. Yeah. Uh, during so, these high stakes situations. In that race, when it got so slippy, Norris ended up, you know, sliding around and lost quite a few positions and ended up pitting. But surprisingly, I think for me, honestly, because so many cars passed him, he still finished P7. So, you know, yep. still got a few points out of that. Seven points to be precise. Alonso finished ahead of him, P6. Bottas in fifth ahead of him. And Ricardo in fourth. So another strong race from him uh, to finish right behind Sainz in third. Good podium for Ferrari. Uh, I think one of four for him this season. Leclerc wasn't even in the top 10 for this race. I think he got caught out on the slippy tires as well, if I'm not mistaken. Verstappen finished second behind Hamilton. So with Norris dropping the gap between Hamilton and Verstappen was still very minimal coming out of this race. Yeah. Yeah, only seven points, huh? Well, yeah, seven points gained. Yeah. And then we go into Turkey. Um so the Which, difference right now going into Turkey is two points between okay, Hamilton yeah. ahead of Verstappen. Bottas in third, clear or 12 points clear of Norris, who yep. is 19 points clear of Perez. Going into Turkey. Um, I do want to say we talked about Valtteri Bottas a bit earlier. And I think this is when he found out that we, he was going to have that, that Alfa Romeo seat, or um, when at least when it was announced publicly. I'm sure he knew for a longer time. This weekend, I think, was was really kind of the... The opposite of Bottas goes bowling. It was uh, Bottas putting in a baddest performance um, because he qualified first and led that race start to finish. And now the inch, or maybe with the pit stops, I don't remember. But um, the interesting thing, Bottas had a terrible race in Turkey last year. Um, started somewhere up in the top, up in the top five, and then uh, outbraked himself, uh, spun into the first corner, and was really nowhere. Um, but had a had a really good showing this year, uh, this year around, this time around. Um, had his only win, I believe, uh, in the season and kind of just showed why, you know, why sometimes, well, not even why sometimes, you just showed that that he is a world-class driver, you know, that he has it in him to qualify first, out-qualify Lewis Hamilton and then, you know, start even. first, finish first and, you know, kind of have the, have the double whammy there. Absolutely. Um, it is also worth mentioning for Bottas' season, which I think also goes against his narrative for the season and his performance level or what people at least perceive 
is that he had a lot of engine um, switches and therefore a lot of yeah. penalties. I think he had six or seven engines in total throughout the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, five or six is what I want to say. Um, he had the three allocated ones and he took at four least two extra ones. Three at more? least two extra ones. Three more. Two or three. Five but or six was... engines total, yeah. Yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. So he had to start from the back quite often. Um, also to mention in Turkey, um, Red Bull, this was meant to be the Japanese Grand Prix. Uh, Red Bull ran a, a wonderful, in my opinion, a very, a very wonderful um, livery uh, saying Arigato on the, on the rear wing, um, a white themed livery, looked really good on the car. Uh, we had Paris defending against Hamilton, kind of showing the, uh, showing the early signs of what was to come in Abu Dhabi. Um, uh, yeah, but other than that, it wasn't the most spectacular race. It was interesting because it was wet, and then we had the whole tire drama we had there last year as well, uh, with the interest becoming slicks uh, towards the end, essentially. Um, people trying to kind of come out, uh, come in early and go on to slicks early, uh, but that didn't really work out. So it was a, a slick race, um, uh, the opposite. It was an intermediate race. Um, we saw once again the Ferraris being quite strong and kind of, this is in my opinion where the McLaren started to fall off a bit. Um, and yeah. really kind of, uh, yeah, this is kind of where they where they probably lost the championship eventually to... Um, well, to also McLaren's. in qualifying, the Ferrari for the performance was really good. Yeah. Like, I think Leclerc, Leclerc was pretty far up there. He was yeah, the Leclerc race, I think, as, as a, for a while as well, in terms of your Bottas start to finish. Yeah, Leclerc uh, qualified fourth and then... Um, he had a good start. Alonso had a really good start as well, but then spun, sadly. So he could have, uh, and then he came out 15th again, but like he was driving very aggressively, like diving a lot uh, mm. in this race. I thought that was pretty cool. That um, something that I noted down. I mean, and Alonso the race had is a, always fun to watch. Alonso had his fun moment um, in the race start in Russia as well, uh, where he outbraked himself, quote unquote, uh, and took the escape route and essentially uh, gained a bit on the competition through it. Um, which was a big controversy at this. Well, it was a controversy at the side. People saying, "Oh, hey, um, yeah, should he be able to do that? Should you be able to use runoff areas and blah blah blah?" Doesn't matter, uh, but fun to mention. Well, and uh, another thing to point out is uh, podium finishes. Bottas was first, Verstappen and Perez uh, second and third. Second and third. So really good showing for the team. Hamilton in fifth, and this is where Perez started to make a mark for the season in this race. Yeah. Because he had an amazing first battle that, by the way, Red Bull ran a really cool livery in this race. Cool white one. Uh, it was pretty dope. Yeah, as I just mentioned. Oh, you did? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I forgot already. Uh, I'm just going through my notes. That's why. Anyway, yeah. but they finished P2 and 3, and uh, Perez had a really amazing battle with Hamilton, which and it was so impressive. Like, it was just amazing. Hamilton was so better in terms of car and performance in that moment, and Perez just showed some very, very good driving, and yeah. uh, that obviously comes back <laughs> in a future race. Um, but yeah, overall, really good weekend, very entertaining race, and good for Bottas. And good for Probably Verstappen his last win gaining Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Verstappen with Hamilton in fifth gained quite a few points, as you mentioned, um, which probably, you know, he has the win in um, in the States and the win in Mexico, uh, but Hamilton was second in both of those. 
this was the last time he really gained like exceptional points on on Hamilton or like unexpected amounts of points um before um so maybe well, this is... I would say the US the next one he gained unexpected amount unexpected of points, but Hamilton was second right so he gained five, six to seven points on Hamilton whereas here he was uh, he was second Hamilton was fifth you know actually yeah. is that more than seven points probably I, I I don't know right now yeah but coming out of this race out of Turkey Grand Prix uh, Verstappen's in first 262.5 mind you he was behind by four coming into this race uh, and Hamilton is at 256.5 Bottas 177 drawing a bigger gap to Norris at 145 Perez rounding out the top five with 135 both Ferraris in P6 and 7 look uh, signs ahead of Leclerc 116.5 to 116 <laughs> they're half a point apart Amazing. which is yeah, only for that it is worth to have half points from the Belgian Grand Prix. Still, it would have been so boring had it never come up, but it, it actually did. Like the the half point did separate people at some point. It mattered. <laughs> Ricardo ninety five, Gasly seventy four, and Alonso fifty eight. Um, yeah, with that we leave Turkey and we enter the United States. Well, hail. This was funny because coming into the media, Daniel Ricardo had grown himself like a proper cowboy uh, mustache, mustache and yeah. came fully dressed with a hat and yeah, the, the shoes and, and everything and proceeded to speak just with like a southern drawl, essentially, for the all of his interviews. Uh, so if you have any time, look it up. It's pretty funny. Um, but the Grand Prix itself, um, I Not think the thing important. I want to mention... I, well, I, th- I think I think what I want to mention most is uh, Verstappen qualified first. I think Hamilton had a wonderful start and outraced Verstappen cleanly into turn one. Perez would have had him as well into turn four, five, and six, but back down, which was really important for Verstappen. Um, and Hamilton looked fucking strong. And then Red Bull played the strategy game uh, one more time, and it nearly backfired on him. It was so close at the end. I remember watching this Grand Prix. I think we watched it together, actually. And it, for the most time, it was a boring Grand Prix. And then towards the end, we were all like, okay, well, Hamilton's going to have him. He has eight laps, uh, fresher tires. And, you know, what's going to happen? And then he didn't. And it kept going like, oh, wow. Oh, this is this is getting tense towards the last two, three laps. I remember and, uh, we were saying, oh, is this going to be another Monza? Like, are, yeah. is there going to be something going on here again? Because again, the narrative was continued. Wow, they are really not backing down. Um, yeah, this this is notoriously a Mercedes um, track, and Hamilton has dominated this course. He's won it several times over the last few years. Coming into this, so they were the favorite. And again, this weekend showed Red Bull has a good car or had a good car. Yeah, and we're much closer to Mercedes than I think a lot of people expected. And Verstappen was in top form, uh, outqualified Hamilton, which was already a very big surprise. In the race, um, the reason, like all drivers knowing that it's a hard race to overtake, it obviously shifts all the pressure to the beginning, even more so than it usually is. So there was a lot of hard racing going on at the beginning, and a really fun battle to watch was both McLarens versus both Ferraris yeah. for like half a lap or so. It was it was so exciting, or even longer. I'm not sure. But it was such a back and forth and just really good racing. Um, I remember we were on the edge of our seats watching that when we uh, viewed the race. But yeah, this one essentially was all down to Red Bull strategy and they pulled off the undercut in the end. Uh, It was a close call, but 
in the end it paid off very well and uh he had eight lap older tires than hamilton and they had i think 13 laps to go or 20 laps to go or so and he still managed to keep that gap and like and, and keep the lead which is incredible yeah, and this was also one of the closer finishes of the season in terms of time. Yeah, within almost within a second, if not within a second, one point three seconds. Yeah. And who rounded out the podium though? Perez did with another solid drive, yeah. uh, carrying that team very well. So really seems like in the last races he's he's starting to properly feel the car and the team as well. Um, yeah, uh, there was a really good race sequence between Alonso and Giovinazzi in this race. And Giovinazzi really showed that he's able to race against some very good drivers. Uh, they had a really long back and forth, and it was really funny, too, in some way, also the way it was kind of commented on. Uh, there was a penalty involved in terms of how Alonso overtook him. And uh, like two laps later or uh, two corners later, the opposite happened. Giovinazzi did the same, but didn't get it. I don't know. It was really funny. Uh, so that was that was fun racing to watch. Um yeah, and Hamilton just had a really good start, as you mentioned, coming into this. Uh, at the very beginning, he just no chance for Verstappen to do anything in that moment, regardless of how far his elbows were out. Yeah, indeed. And what came next? What do you mean? What's the next race? Oh, the next race. We are moving to Mexico City. Uh, a race in Mexico where there's been, I think only one Mexican driver or two so far in F1. I'm not even, I'm not quite sure how many there's been, but Perez is one of the few Mexicans that have raced in F1 and it's his home race, which is really cool. As he's also driving in a championship worthy car uh, performance wise, he really has a shot at the very least getting a podium. So there's a lot of media coming into this race surrounding his you know, odds and 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 uh, potential performance also coming off a couple strong finishes in the last few races. Um, and yeah, I think it starts off pretty well in qualifying. I don't have the results of, uh, of the starting grid, but Perez and Hamilton had some very good racing in this because in this race to summarize very, very shortly, Verstappen nailed it. And was was pretty good. And in the end, it was a race between Hamilton and Perez. Yeah, I want to mention, um, as far as qualifying goes, Bartas and Hamilton actually uh, qualified P1 uh, and 2, respectively. So Bartas P1, Hamilton P2, um, which was unusual because the opposite of, or as um, Cota, as the Circuit of the Americas in the United States is a, is a Mercedes track usually, Mexico is usually a Red Bull track. Um, and the Mercedes um, qualifying first and second here, no one really expected. But then going into the first half in the start, they started to fight each other and Verstappen just kind of slipped past, uh, slipped them a quick one and took the lead. And then from there, as you mentioned, uh, the race kind of progressed rather simply. Yeah, uh, but the exciting part was that Perez had pitted late on to get new tires and the hunt was down. So it was quite a cool narrative in his hometown, the way he was being cheered by all the fans and, uh, you know, got by Leclerc, got the podium spot. And uh, it was just a really, really good feel good story uh, for that weekend. Um, just fun to watch. So uh, to summarize real quick, Verstappen P1, Hamilton P2, Perez P3, Leclerc P4, 
Ricardo P5, another solid finish. Bata slipped down to sixth. Uh, Sainz finished seventh. Norris eighth. Sonoda got a P9 finish. And he had some bad luck, to, honestly, in this race, too. I kind of noted down. He got uh, touched and spun or something like that. So he could have even been uh, higher up. But Alpha Tauri um, did a good job with him this weekend. On the other hand, Gasly did not finish. Um, yeah, running at the top 10 was Vettel. And with that, we check on the um, championship standings. Verstappen gaining 25 points in that. Wait, does it? Oh, man. There we go. He is now at 287.5, um, followed by Hamilton with 275. So there's a 12 point difference again between the two. Bottas at 185. Uh, Perez at 150, just having overtaken Norris through this drive and through his home victory, um, and Norris running out the top five at 149. The Ferraris, Leclerc is now six points or five and a half points ahead of Sainz. Um, so that gap has widened quite a bit, and Leclerc has, as expected, taken that P1 within the team, kind of. Um, yeah, with that, we had to... Oh, wait, I just... Yeah, there we go. With that, we head to Interlagos. Yes, always a wonderful track. I really enjoy Interlagos. I really enjoy Brazil. Um, or the race there. Never been to Brazil. But yeah, Interlagos is just, you know, it's Penalty old. It's got, it's, got a, it's got pedigree. It's got uh, wonderful corners. It's got height elevation changes, you know. Uh, it's a power track, but it's also, a, uh, you know, a technical track. It's, it's really cool. I really enjoy Interlagos. It's, it's also, also the track. A, sorry, it's also been a track where many championships have been decided because it yeah. used to be the last race of the season before yeah. Abu Dhabi was uh, part of it. Yeah, it had the wonderful uh, "Is that Timo Glock?" moment uh, with Hamilton winning in in uh, 2008. Um, and then this year, this is the track where Hamilton took his uh, final en engine change, uh, getting a fresh engine, which for Mercedes makes up about yeah, let's call it four tenth of a second uh, on a lap uh, so it's quite powerful the change less less powerful so um for honda but for mercedes it's quite a strong decision starts from 20th um it's another sprint qualifying race weekend and um hamilton essentially makes his way through the sprint qualifying uh into fifth i think and then takes another engine pen or takes another penalty gets back to 10th and then in the race gets all the way up to first um less importantly achieve or the um, achievement is great and it's there but there was a bit of controversy here already because um, uh, going into turn, uh, pardon me, uh, turn one, two, three, four, five, something like that. Um, Hamilton and Verstappen kept going after the first uh, after the uh, first DRS zone. Hamilton and Verstappen kept having this thing of, okay, I'll overtake and then no, I'll not let you. And uh, Verstappen eventually running Hamilton and himself off track, uh, both with very aggressive behavior. Um, not wanting to yield the position, but this time not coming together. Um, it was really kind of the the first major moment of like, okay, well, what you know, these last three races, they're gonna have no holding back uh, kind of incidents. Uh, but mm -hmm. Hamilton ends up winning this. Verstappen comes home for a for a good second. He could have, I think, he could have won it in the end um, had he played his cards a bit more carefully, maybe at some point, but. Uh, the, the Mercedes Hamilton package was just too overpowering here. And it's also where we start seeing, okay, where we start thinking, okay, Verstappen's ahead, but will he be by the end of the season? 
because after this race, there's only three remaining. So yeah. it's it's getting to viewing, okay, how many points and every point matters, especially now. But especially coming into that first controversy that you mentioned in the what, third or fourth corner, um, what had happened, I think the reason for the second, uh, for the penalty uh, after the sprint race or the sprint qualifying was due to the fact that there was an irregularity within his one wing or something like that, that there was too much space or mm -hmm. that it was bent or out of shape or I don't know, uh, but it gave him an advantage and that's why he was penalized. And um, I think after the race, Verstappen also went over and touched uh, the Mercedes and that's where he got the fine. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was after Brazil. 50 grand fine for it. 50 grand fine for touching it in the park for May conditions, which is a strict no-no. But this is like coming into the race itself, that controversy already existed. And um, that's something worth mentioning because it really heated up the moment. And I think it affected their racing to some extent. Yeah, I don't think for stopping touching it, they're really heated anything up. I think it's more. No, no. I mean, the penalty that Mercedes got for. Oh, that's what you mean. For that. Because yeah, it, it's, it what, it's what the pushed the on, in the race. Yeah, it, it pushed the inevitable overtake that Hamilton did back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but Hamilton, great weekend, historic drive there. Uh, very cool, very impressive too. Honestly, yeah, because he didn't overtake them over a time of thirty laps, the ten spots. He did it in like two laps. Yeah, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Very reminiscent of a very famous drive uh, by one Ayrton Senna, who within a lap overtook so many people, it was unbelievable. And this was this was really good driving. So mad props to Hamilton, who closes the gap in the driving standings, and it's now three thirty-two for Verstappen and three eighteen for Hamilton. Bottas at two o three and Perez at one seventy-eight, both have pulled away from Norris at one. 51. Leclerc is at 148 and signs at 139.5. Um, with that, we go to a track that was newly added to the F1 calendar and has previously only really been done um, in the MotoGP series, or mostly there. And this was a track that was mostly built for motorcycle racing, which was interesting for the fastest car racing sport in the world to come to this track because the corners and the optimal driveline is completely different. So it was going to be an interesting thing to see how it affected the race. Um, and I know we detailed this episode uh, or this race weekend on uh, a previous episode as well. So I don't think we have to go into huge detail here. Um, it really wasn't that interesting. race. Hamilton drove away. Uh, Verstappen was doing his best to chase, but failing. There were a few tire punctures. Uh, which was interesting to see happen because usually Formula One doesn't make these mistakes, but they still happen. Uh, but it really was the stepping stone only to uh, the next race and to kind of lower the gap in the in the championship. Yeah, the, after Interlagos, this was Hamilton's second consecutive win. And it was, again, very clear, like, after that engine change, holy cow, this is a really fast vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, Norris was one of the few that got a puncture and it was quite a few people. And I think Pirelli kind of messed up their estimates of, of which tires to use. Probably. And, but I think they already went with fairly, um, fairly good range or 
it was a minimum or maximum range, I'm pretty sure. But the edges of the curves really caused it. And for Norris, this is kind of where his bad luck streak, I'm, I'm not sure, kind of continued, I guess. And he had another thing that just was out of his power because he was running in P4th when it happened, P4, P3 even. Um, yeah, so was this also Alonso's um, podium? Yes, it was. It was. He finished P3, and that was really cool. And Ocon repaid him the favor, essentially, that um, Alonso had done for Ocon during his win of kind of playing some defense on uh, Perez, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of hold him off. Otherwise, he may have had Alonso. And um, yeah. Yeah. So much for that. Um, now, the last two races. Um, we commented on them in, in full dedicated episodes um, uh, early in our release schedule. Um, but suffice it to say, Saudi Arabia was controversial and Abu Dhabi nearly broke uh, Twitter, the Formula One Twitter sphere. Um, we move out of we move out of Saudi Arabia. I, I see your hand, but uh, we will move out of Saudi Arabia with them with Verstappen and Hamilton on equal points and then leave Abu Dhabi with Verstappen as the champion. Um, what did you want to say? Never mind. I wanted to give the point standings after Qatar. But it doesn't yeah, matter. but the, honestly, and you will notice this from from what we've been paying attention to, the rest of the grid really kind of fell away after a certain point when it became clear just how tight the front two, how tight Hamilton and Verstappen were going to be. And there were some amazing things that happened down the grid, which is, for example, Sainz finishing ahead of Leclerc and Norris. Um, but the, the thing... Um, you know, because we, we've talked about Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi extensively. I just want to mention that with all that has happened here, going into these final races as a fan was fantastic. You know, um, coming out of Brazil, it was okay. You know, the controversy wasn't, yes, in Brazil, there was this, instant, you know, Verstappen maybe pushed Hamilton off the track, but followed him off the track. And yes, that was a bit controversial in the decision, but you went into Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi before the real hefty, like final set of contra uh, controversies happened. You went into it going, okay, we're in for two good races and yep. advantage fully on Hamilton, but Verstappen has the points advantage. So Hamilton has to nail this. And he fucking did until Abu Dhabi happened. And, and here's the thing, retrospectively, if you look at like Hamilton was on his way to winning his fourth like consecutive race in Abu Dhabi until that last lap, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, this incident could have technically happened in any one of the races of the last four, and it would mm -hmm. have had the same effect. Yeah. Which is a pretty crazy thought, I think. Yeah. People make it out like one lap. Yeah. But all it needed, to, it needed to happen on one lap in one of the last four races yeah. <laughs> in the end. That's all yeah. that it needed to be. And and that is where the I also want there to, is pretty high. Is also where I want to go with this is just how you you may dear listener you may have noticed at any at some points we went okay yeah you know this this could have really fucked up Hamilton season or fucked up Verstappen season. We have to we have to remember the fact that we went into the last Grand Prix equal on points between the two title rivals. Any of the things you've heard us talk about today, a slight difference in how they occurred and the championship could have switched hands. You know it's fucking. It just goes to show how how incredible this season was, not just in, in the pure sports, uh, not just in the pure sports performance that we saw, but in the fact that for how long 
this season stayed and was competitive was amazing. You know, the fact that had Hamilton not hit the magic, not ha- not hit the, the magic, his magic button in Azerbaijan and lost those points, he would have been champion three races ago. Had Bottas not gone bowling, Verstappen would have been champion three races ago. You know, it's fucking insane how. And yes, and every. Perez not done his amazing driving in two races. Yeah. It would yeah. look a lot different too. It's, it's, it's obviously. You know, these are just it now they are just statistics. Now this is just you have all here, this happened, and here this happened. We can change nothing about them. But going back and thinking about how how small certain decisions were, how small certain moments were, and what a huge impact they had in the end, it's it's incredible. And they kept happening and they gave us this this wonderful season. Well, and this is another thing that's really great about this season. Um as a whole is you really see how, how you don't see this very often that the constructors and the um, and the drivers championships go to separate teams essentially mm-hmm. that doesn't happen very often because in most eras of formula one you always have one team that's dominating and it really reflects that there's two equal cars and just a huge battle to be able to put two people on equal points after 20 races is crazy it means the cars have to be very very close at least in performance and it really was this year and it's gone back and forth which has just been really cool so even though it's only really two competitive teams you've had that pairing of teams and then you've had several other pairings of teams that have been battling which has been really good like the race between the mclarens and the ferraris was amazing at times um as well as between the alpines and the alpha tauris and i'm yeah. excited to see that battle continue maybe next season um especially with Sonoda having more experience to carry over and, you know, not being his first time on a lot of tracks, uh, being more adept with the team and some of the car, I guess, just to see that battle continue because yeah. that was also really fun to watch. And yeah. also these battles were all concluded within the last two or three races. It yeah. was still wide open. Same as the Ferrari in-house battle. Yeah. It went down to the wire. It's really, really cool. Yeah. I'd say Alpine versus Alpha was probably decided in Qatar only. Obviously, uh, obviously, Red Bull versus Mercedes and the constructors was probably decided in Qatar as well. Um, Ferrari versus McLaren was decided a bit earlier, but the drivers was pretty close towards. I the think end. the constructors was actually in Jeddah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm 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 not saying decided as in mathematically decided. I'm saying decided as in the momentum and you know. Because at, at the point where you have to make first and second and the other team has to fall, uh, has to not finish completely, the, the battles decided for me, you know? Yeah, but I think I think it was that going into Abu Dhabi. Mm. Yeah, fair because enough. Because then they were like, fuck it. We'll take Perez out at the end. <laughs> cool. Good season. Man, great season. A season that I think, I think a lot of people were expecting. You say one of the better ones? Honestly, I think this was probably. I wasn't trying to stir up controversy. No, you. No, you're not. I'm just saying, um, this was probably the best season I've ever conscious, fully consciously followed. I, I was. I watched the seasons in. I watched the 2012 season and the 2010 season, which is widely regarded as like one of the like the most exciting seasons. Um, I watched it, but I was a kid, you know. Yes. Um, I was a teenager or a preteen or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was too young to really understand it all. This was the first season where I was really a fully conscious and fully thinking and immersed viewer. And it was fucking amazing. And, you know, 
I actually watched the uh, Timo Glock race, not the season, but the race, and that that was pretty good. That essentially summarized that season. Mm. The funny, <laughs> but, uh, this is I, one of the better ones. I remember watching that race live, um, and I, I remember that year I'd I'd bet my dad. Um, God, it was stupid. We we were betting for like, oh, the you know, we have to buy each other a pizza or something. And obviously, I was a kid, so in the he end, he bought himself. He he would have buy himself <laughs> bought himself a pizza, and I would have paid pretended to pay for it with the money he gives me, you know, <laughs> um, uh, as like pocket money. But I remember watching that race, and I was heartstruck when Hamilton wasn't winning it. And then in the last corner, I I remember I was behind uh, one of our wardrobes crying. Um, <laughs> I was a sore loser back then. Um, I was somewhere <laughs> crying and then my mom comes goes Toby Toby you gotta come back you gotta come back something just happened and I go back and Hamilton fucking wins that title and I'm like holy holy fucking crap great season one oh man this one was great too yeah yeah Con- so it's a shame with the controversy at the end um, not a shame that the things that happened on track happened a shame how it's blown out of proportions yeah, no, but seen, the higher your viewership, the more people are going to be unhappy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I, I think just, it's good I, we didn't mention the FIA and Michael Massey that often. No, in our review because, because I, at the end of the day, I don't think they had that big of an impact on like their things. Racing is racing. Yeah, look, I wouldn't want to be Michael Massey in that last race. I agree with the choices he made. Yes, the FIA has issues with you know oversight, but honestly. We're a fucking we're a we're a fucking podcast. Let's, you know, leave it to what the F one. Leave it to the people who actually have time and resources to talk about that. I prefer talking about my feelings that I had when when I watched all of this, and I had a fucking good time this year. Yeah, yeah, and it was exciting to talk about it and to always like, you know, there's a thousand more memes. There's there's more conversation to be had, and it's uh, exciting. Like a, a lot of my other friends who never really interested in the sport, they've gotten into it now. Yeah. Because they're like, why the fuck did the internet blow up (laughs) every other week, too? It wasn't like once, every other week. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Yeah, so very good season. And it's a good way to say goodbye to this era and uh, a good way to look forward to next. And I'm sure we'll talk about F1 when we hear major announcements. I mean, I know there's one that we can share, I guess, today while the time of recording but that won't be effective next year, but it will be effective 2026. Yep. Maybe you want to say a couple words to that? Uh, so it looks like Porsche and Audi will be uh, engine manufacturers in those uh, in 2026 after the new engine regulations come in. So we can also expect major change there, probably dropping the MGUH, dropping some of the more complex systems uh, in favor of a simpler, easier to produce, cheaper to produce thing that more people can then produce. Um, what is very fun, um, I think with that is, uh, I, or, well, I say what is very fun. I hope that this will lead to more cars on the grid. I think the thing formula one could really use is a few more cars, three drivers per team, whatever more, another team. I don't particularly care. It just be nice to have this also mean that we get to give more people a chance, uh, to drive in formula one. And I think having more en- blah, 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 more engine manufacturers is really good because teams are allowed to you know just sell engines etc. And if you make them in house, it's one of your most expensive like parts of your operation essentially. Yeah. 
because it's almost everything. So if you have just manufacturers who might eventually also have their own teams, which is fine, but you just have so many more options there. So, you know, you have a bigger market and also a bigger price difference between them. And that's really neat as well. So it, it really might engage a lot of billionaires to start their own one, their own team and start a couple of cars. What would also be a really cool rule would be three drivers per team. Like imagine that you'd have 50% more cars. Yeah. Think that about that. And think I about think... the strategy involved. It would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we could get into, you know, being like, oh yeah, well now Bottas is a third driver, not a second. <laughs> Probably would be to be fair. All the flack you get for that. That'd be funny as fuck. Another thing is Hamilton hasn't like made any statement. He still hasn't. We're recording no. this on January 8th and he still has not made any statement at all. Um, he's not posted on social media. All he is, someone's released a statement for him saying that he's going to be off social media for a while. Yeah. Um, Which, mind you, clever choice, even if you're not Lewis Hamilton right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just just don't go on social media at all. It's a waste of time. Um but it's a bit weird because there's rumors going around that he's just going to retire. Which would be a shame. Which I really doubt, honestly, because that I think is underestimating his competitiveness and his like, man, you don't get to where he is without like the drive and just wanting yeah. to win. Just that like almost like a, like an addiction just to win. And um, even though he's won a hundred and something races, he wants that eighth title yeah i think that's his like sole motivation so we'll see i'm i'm excited to see him back i'm very sure he will be i mean i agree with everything you said i i just also think it'd be a, an absolute shame to see someone like that leave the sport because of this um not that i couldn't understand it in the end but yeah 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 i will now, but I, I well, think... we're going to see some change in, in Formula One. You know, Fettel is going to retire at some point. Hamilton will retire at some point. Uh, we're going to see a, a few more new people come in. Um, a few people who are in the sport right now are going to rise, you know. Like Alonso. I don't think he'll stay longer than another year at the team. Because yeah. Piastri is not someone they're going to want to lose. Hmm. Waiting there. He should have gotten a seat this year, mind you. Alpha should have signed him. Well, yeah, we talked about the Guan Yuzhou situation. I, I still yeah. think Alpha made Alpha made. I think the decisions were equal, and Alpha made one. Maybe I don't agree with it, but who who cares? Yeah, I think Guan Yuzhou is going to be great. <laughs> I, I just, a news article just popped up. Alpine targets championship in twenty uh, twenty four or twenty twenty five. Yeah, okay. Look, yes, but they've been saying that for years. You know, come on, let's be real. Here. It's the announcement of when Piastri is going to join them. Ah, okay, fair enough. Alonso probably released the statement himself. <laughs> I won't be leaving before 2024. <laughs> In other news, Fernando Alonso retiring soon. Soon. Yeah, but as Spaniards are typically late, it will be a couple of years later. That's fair. All right, dude. Oh, well, man. Let's close the book on a, on a very exciting season. I think the next time we'll talk about Formula One will probably be Drive to Survive and then preseason testing. Yeah, that should be coming out in around a month. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have preseason testing. And then we can do like a bold predictions for the year. Yeah. That'll be fun. Great. 
All right. Have a good night, Toby. We will talk soon. We have an, in two weeks, we're going to have a Harry Potter themed podcast with uh, guest Eleanor. Uh, that'll be fun as we're doing it in person too. So I think it'll be nice to have three Harry Potter nerds. Yes, um, sir. We can take a quiz or something. See how good we are. I doubt we are. Uh, it's been a while for me. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we will, you will hear from us next week. Yes, sir. All right. Or probably in two weeks following our upload schedule.